Coming up, I've just seen Spider-Man Homecoming, and I'm gonna tell you... I'm gonna tell you what I feel about it in this episode of Dispop. Dispop is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect vacation. Be sure to visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Well, hello, everybody. I am your host, Rhino Clavin, and welcome to my movie loft. I thought this would be an appropriate area to talk about Spider-Man Homecoming. Now, it is just me. Um, Craig and I actually went to go see two different showings. I went to the 7, he went to the 8. Um, so I'm really curious to hear what he's going to say. So I'm going to record this, then go chat with him, but... Um, I'm just going to, this is going to be a little formatless, so I apologize. My thoughts are going to be all out of the place. I literally just got out of the movie theater, rushed home here, um, and uh, I want to I talk about how I feel about it after seeing the movie. Um, so first and foremost, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. This is a return to form for Spider-Man films. I, I don't know that I feel like this is the best Spider-Man film I've ever seen, but it's in the top three, okay? And the other two are pretty great films. I'm talking... The original Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, 2002, and then the the follow-up in 2004, Spider-Man 2, which is considered the, one of the best superhero movies ever made, and I I would agree, and um, uh, and I'll get to, I'll kind of break it down as to why I feel like that it's in the top three, but um, what I I first want to say that um, when the Amazing Spider-Man starring Andrew Garfield and um, Emma Stone came out, uh, those to me were very unwarranted movies. Okay, the the third movie. Not great. Everyone pretty much, pretty much universally can can agree to that. That that uh, that the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies are um, subpar and not necessarily warranted. Um, and that is because I apologize. I'm not looking at the camera. My cell phone is nobody wants to talk to me until I go to record a show, and then it just keeps going off like crazy. So I just want to make sure this doesn't interrupt us. Um, no, but uh, they felt they felt a little rushed, and honestly, I blamed Disney for this because um, what was happening was is they were the studio was going to make Spider Man four, um, and uh, they had gotten uh, Tobey Maguire back on, they'd gotten Kirsten Dunst back on, they'd gotten Sam Raimi back on, and they were going to use the Vulture. That was the villain that Sam Raimi originally wanted for Spider Man three, and the studio was like, "No way, you've got to make Venom. People are expecting Venom," and um, Sam Raimi. He loves classic, like, 60s Spider-Man. He loves that type of Spider-Man. And so uh, Venom's more contemporary. Venom showed up around the 80s. And um, so it's it was territory he was unfamiliar with. And so his passion wasn't there for that. But the studio, um, they wanted uh, they wanted it in the movie regardless. So uh, it was uh, Sam Raimi and I believe his, uh, his, his brother, whose name is escaping me right now. But he's in the films, too. He's, uh, like, Jay Jonah's, like... Not Robbie, but the other guy. Um, but uh, they kind of set out and developed a, a, a script that didn't involve Venom. And then another screenwriter set out and developed a script that did involve Venom. And the idea was originally going to shoot these movies, two movies, back to back. So Venom would be introduced in the first part of this movie and then show up in Spider-Man 4. And um, eventually it led to the studio just saying, no, merge these two ideas together. Get rid of the vulture. Nobody wants to see an old old man character. Nobody likes that character. Um, so Spider-Man 3 comes out and clearly you can see the heavy handed studio involvement in that movie. You know, it doesn't have that same love and passion that's there in one and two. It's got parts that I would argue are pretty good. I mean, the Harry Spider-Man opening beginning, I, you know, I like, 
I like certain elements of the story, how they kind of come in and play around. But um, overall, it just it it you know it's not great. It's obviously not great. And um, the studio finally was going to do a fourth one, and you're like, okay, they can redeem it because honestly, like I know everyone's like, oh, Spider-Man three, but there were two phenomenal movies before this, two of the best superhero movies made before this. So one dip in the franchise doesn't warrant rebooting. You know, it's kind of like, okay, well, let's go back to the drawing board, see what made the other two great, and let's go from there. Um, But then at this time, Marvel was purchased by Disney. And essentially, a lot of studios kind of panic because they didn't want to lose their lucrative. Obviously, Disney buying this really means there's a value in this property still. And they didn't want to lose this sort of stuff. So Sony was like, I, the Sam Raimi essentially said, I'm doing the fourth one and I want the vulture in it again. Uh, I, I'm, I'm using the vulture this time. They even got as far as casting John Malkovich as the vulture. And Hathaway was going to be playing her, his daughter, who was going to be like a vultress. Um, and it... it uh, so it, it got pretty far along and then the studio got, you know, we don't want the vulge, you know, there was pushback again and the studio essentially was like, instead of having this argument, you know, we're just going to reboot the whole thing. And it's, it's insane to think that, you know, okay, rebooting is one thing. Like they could have just kind of recast everybody, kind of had Spider-Man in the same general point in his life. And I think we could have accepted it. You know what I mean? Had it be slightly stylistic difference, but I don't think it should have regressed to Spider-Man in high school. So essentially they were like, all right, well, we'll make him like the ultimate Spider-Man or we'll make him the the the, the more modern day Spider-Man, the, the skateboarder Spider-Man, which was a horrible, uh, I think a horrible thing to do too. It's just one of those like, disconnects between the audience i feel like so i the, i when i first saw the amazing spider-man i thought okay familiar ground because clearly it's like you know both familiar and unfamiliar you know it's still the story of bit by a spider uncle ben bites it you know stuff we've seen and no i mean spider-man's one of the most universally treasured characters i would argue and so it felt very it felt repetitive and not it didn't feel warranted Um, You know, it did give us the lizard, which was kind of teased in the other Spider-Man movies, so it was a new villain, Um, but that just didn't deliver. There's a lot of issues with that movie, and someday I'll do, like, kind of a, maybe when this movie's coming out on Blu-ray, we'll kind of do, like, a ranking of some of them, and I'll go through individually and talk about, like, specifics in that movie that I have issues. One is there's a bomb that goes off over the city that turns all the cops into lizard people, but nothing ever happens in the movie from that. Then all of a sudden they're turned back into regular people. What do those lizard people do anything? Or do they just stand there and stare at the tower for forever? I, I, whatever. I have no issue with Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. I think he actually is a good Spider-Man. And I think Emma Stone's wonderful in pretty much everything that she does. Um, I, I don't really have an issue with Sally Field, per se as Aunt May. I thought um, that Martin Sheen was great as um, uh, whatchamacallit, as Uncle Ben um, was really kind of the standout. So shame he, he bites it in the first movie. But uh, it just, it, it, I don't know. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't great. And then there was maybe hope for the second one. And then the second one kind of played out more like Batman Forever. Like it was very cartoony villain. Um, I, I would make an argument someday, though. I like The Amazing Spider-Man 2 more than The Amazing Spider-Man 1 for things that it aggressively tried to do differently. And for one, the score, I think, is actually really interesting. The Hans Zimmer score that he did with um, uh, the other guy that I can't remember. But there was really interesting things in there. Um, yeah, the Electro character's stupid, but I actually don't mind the Harry Osborn Green Goblin character. There are issues with the story. It felt very rushed. Um, but there are parts of that where I feel like if they had committed to it and not... Everything doesn't need to be a spectacle. And that's where the Spider-Man movie gets it right very well. So here we are again. And, 
you know, there's kind of that Spider-Man fatigue, and Sony doesn't, you know, all these plans we've heard about Sony having this, like, Sinister Six movie they wanted to do, and, and all these other spin-off movies, and just, like, just, it seemed desperate, and... Um, so finally there comes to, you know, an agreement where with Disney, where they're like, we need, we need, we need, let's partner together and, and do something great. Like we, you know, we don't want to, I think Disney didn't not want Spider-Man in their MCU. And of course, who doesn't want a part of the MCU? Uh, so they finally came to terms, um, through a deal, uh, that you can read about online, um, that, uh, more and more details come out every day with that. And, um, I'm happy to report too. This 100% feels like a Marvel Cinematic Universe. In fact, I forgot the entire time that this kind of was a Sony with Marvel sort of situation, but um, it fit in. I would argue more so than even some of the the completely in-house MCU movies. Uh, so it was it was really interesting. And what I'm going to say that this movie does really really well is. Okay, so Spider-Man is in high school again, and one of the things that makes me sad is I love Spider-Man so much that I, when I was a kid, Spider-Man was in college. That's the Spider-Man I know, the 90s Fox Kids Spider-Man. We all know it. It's great. Um, And that's the one I kind of relate to, so it was more like the Sam Raimi one was that kind of version of that character, only a little less sarcastic because he was kind of the classic Spider-Man. And then the Andrew Garfield one's like, they really wanted to bring that sass in there, and then the sass is in this one too, but balanced well um and it goes really well with his character because he's a 15 year old and i actually felt like this spider-man was 15 not andrew garfield who was 30 playing a a 17 year old in two different movies okay i know that toby Maguire was older than he was uh was younger than andrew garfield was in his first spider-man movie however i know he looks older but there he's only in high school for the first 20 minutes of that movie so it's regardless anyway um this movie does a really good job of really putting this character in high school. And the really interesting idea is he's in one of those, um, oh my gosh, I forget the word for it, but it's, you know, for essentially like accelerated kids that are geniuses and it's all kind of tech schools to to feed into that. So it was like, it had that school, high school vibe to it, but it was distant enough from the average person who probably went to just like public school that it felt like okay it's high school but it, it's okay if it's a little unfamiliar to me and it's not even really not even doesn't really even factor in that well but it, you know it clearly has that john hughes influence here which was wonderful as well it even made a ferris bueller's reference in the movie which i i uh, greatly appreciated um tom holland fantastic as the spider-man and he's essentially wants to play this character until he's like 80 years old which i think is great because that's my feelings on the other movies too two different franchises now and we've been burned twice we we don't get to see what happens after a big thing you know peter and mary don't get to get they don't get married at the end but they forgive each other so what's next for their relationship baby i don't know we don't know because we never got the next movie uh, Emma Stone's character, not in the movies anymore. What happens to Peter? And what about the thing with his parents? We don't know. We never get it. So it was kind of like, I felt like I was going to get burned. But here, it feels good. It feels really, really good. Um, I don't want to go too far into plot specifics, but I'm just going to give you my overall impression. So, I mean, you essentially, you can gather the entire plot from the the trailers if you've watched any of them. It's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. It's, it's essentially, it picks up, um, I believe, the opening is like, interweaved into civil war and out of civil war and then the 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 movie itself is like two months later um and so if i'm not mistaken this is the first movie like guardians is its own kind of thing and doesn't really involve the events of civil war but i think this is the first movie since civil war 
that takes place like in Earth in New York. So it's interesting. It 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 really has. It really shows how the city and how the area is. Um, so you know, obviously New York, how what's kind of happened since the arrival of the aliens in the first Avengers movie, the Chitari. And I really like it because it didn't feel forced. So the tombs character who is, um, the vulture, the Michael Keaton character, wonderful villain. Um, really good job. Uh, really, really good job. There's also spoiler, but I'm not gonna tell you who they are. There are other, there are some other villains in this movie, but they don't ever overshadow the main villain. And it's never like, they're more like, you know who they are if you're a big Spider-Man fan, but you're not like they're. I feel like they're not villain enough to be their own villain movie. So it was a good use of that. Um, you know, I, 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 you can kind of see one in one of the trailers. So you know, then there's other little nods. So when you're done with the movie, you can read all the Easter eggs and then go see it again because I do think it might be a good movie to see twice. But um, I, uh, I. It, so essentially, the the tombs character works for a like cleanup agency, and they were they got this big job about uh, cleaning up the Chitari, um, the the ship, uh, the big ship that crashed um, in the Avengers movie, and you know this other government company that's like co-funded with uh, the Iron Man character. They take over, and it's kind of like screws this guy and so that's kind of his motivation is that they they end up having a couple pieces of the tech they've got a really smart guy who's like it's too bad because we could have built all these like crazy awesome things with that and that's kind of their their thing is their their black market or is it is it racketeering is that what it is wartime racketeering i don't know they're essentially making weapons and selling them on the black market. And so that you can see that in the trailers in that bank scene like wait a minute you guys aren't the avengers um so uh, they, uh, that's his his plots. You know, Spider Man is he's he's uh, Peter's back, and he's uh, kind of adjusting to his life as now he's been. He feels like he's working toward being an Avenger. So he's he's going out every day and and just trying to like do what he's waiting for that phone call. And essentially, he's putting his entire life on hold every day because he he thinks his main calling in life is to be this Avenger. He wants to move into upstate new york where their their facility is and he wants to like that's his thing and so he kind of doesn't care maybe about the high school stuff i mean he's got a crush in this movie um you know uh this character liz and um it i don't so he's got the typical like i've got the high school crush but i'm kind of a loser and um you know, but I'm also like on the sideline. I'm this really cool guy, and but I can't really tell anybody I'm this really cool guy. It's it's very it, 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 there. It, this movie, in all the good ways, did um did harken back very much to um the uh, the uh, first Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man One, two thousand two, Spider-Man. Um, in in like good ways. There's uh there's the there's a family dynamic here that is that I feel like is similar to the one that was present in that movie. There is that whole like Mary Jane loves Spider Man, but you know Peter's her friend, that sort of a thing. Um, I I will say I'm gonna say one or two spoilers because at the very end, just because I'm I'm a little I I don't want to give one away because it was awesome, but I do want to talk about one that you might have heard already. Uh, and it annoys me a little bit. Um, 
But anyway, now to my overall impression. So, um, good movie, good movie, good solid movie. Um, it, it, it's like two hours and 15 minutes long, but it didn't really feel like that. So that's a good sign. Um, like I said, Tom Holland's going to be a great Spider-Man. Very distinct, his very own Spider-Man, but he feels like Spider-Man. I love the friend Ned. Um, wonderful character. I hope he sticks around for a while. Um, you've got Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. I don't feel like she's quite as, as like the Aunt May impactful, like wise mentor Aunt May that we're used to because she's a little bit younger, but they do a really good job of like, Clearly, this woman is adjusting to something in her life, which would be the passing of her husband. So, um, you know, she's like people talk about how hot she is, but then you see her and you're like, she looks a little like a you know a woman on the edge a little bit sometimes. But like, it was good. Marissa Tomei was good. Um, she's got a couple moments. Nothing really like major memorable for me. Um, if anybody's worried about Tony Stark overshadowing this movie or it being like Spider Man and Iron Man, um, you don't gotta worry. It. He is essentially, it boils down to a cameo, and I feel like they almost showed almost all of his scenes in the trailer. So um, he's got a really good one toward the end, though, too. Uh, I think they used him just appropriate enough. And this is another one of those uh, a nerf um, reasons why I think this fits into the MCU beautifully, is that it, like, com- it feels not only like a great carry-on from Civil War, but it's also like a nice little tack on to Tony's story because a lot of this is stuff that comes full circle from Iron Man because he has become the mentor and the thing he learned in Iron Man 3 was about, you know, and a lot of people, some complaints about Iron Man 3 are that like it's a Tony Stark movie and I'm like, that's what I love about Iron Man 3 because it shows that he's a superhero not because of the suit but because of who he is. You know, yeah, it's partly the suit but it's like the character too and I feel like this is him trying to get imbue peter with that knowledge of that so um i also really like the spider suit i love that it's like clearly you know tony stark built this it's influenced by tony stark i love that it's a modern this is a spider-man for the 21st century this is very technologically oriented spider-man um which is great because we never even really got that inventor side in any of the other movies. Like he was smart and you've got scenes where he, the web shooters in the, in the first, uh, the amazing Spider-Man. And, you know, you see it a little bit in the, uh, the Sam Raimi ones, but like he was, Peter's highly intelligent. And this one is really like, this one kind of comes up to that. And they did a really, there are moments where I was getting to the movie where I was like, okay, like, all right, now it's getting like Spider-Man's getting a little child. And I'm like, but he is a child. And that's, what's great. Like, because just when you're almost like, oh, God, this kid's frustrating me a little bit, they pull it on you. They pull you They pull you on the story. Like, there's this really great scene with Peter under a bunch of rubble where he's, like, crying and panicking. And I thought it was beautiful. I thought that – I thought the shot was a little – it was a little reminiscent of like when Peter leaves the suit in the dumpster and the amazing Spider-Man two, or I'm sorry, not the amazing Spider-Man, just Spider-Man two. Um, or, you know, the other ones where it's like the lightning and the thing goes on, but that is Spider-Man too. That is like comic book Spider-Man, the half Peter's face, half Spider-Man face. And there's a really cool shot there, but like it, it, it was a really good acting moment, really, really good, really solid. And it really kind of solidified that moment where he's like, it's not necessarily this movie isn't like how Spider-Man 2 was the push and pull between am I Peter and Spider-Man, you know, in the, 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 the Aunt May big wisdom in that is, you know, sometimes we give up the things we love the most. And, you know, this one's more like, how do you create the foundation of who you want to be? 
And so Peter's so focused on wanting to be that Avenger, but he's essentially this part in the movie where he's like, I'm not even going to go to school anymore. I'm already going to be an Avenger. So, you know, and it's kind of like, kid, you've got to... So in the Friends, like, are you going to be a high school dropout? And so I thought that was a really cool... There's a really cool, like, where Peter realizes he needs to live his life. And he can do this, you know? And, and so it's kind of like he's got to... He's Peter realizes he's got to grow up. You know, this is the whole thing where he's... It's that typical, like, kid... You know, he's right in that perfect age where he wants to be the adult. But he's not an adult yet, you know? He's only 15 years old in this movie. Jeez. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I thought they captured that stuff really beautifully. Um, I, there, there, it doesn't happen often in movies where I go, (gasps) where I'm like shocked by something that happens. And there is, you know, and I feel like this is a spoiler by saying this. I'm not going to say what it is because it is really good, but they did a really good moment where I was like, (gasps) in the movie theater, um, very surprised. And I was like, yeah. And the scene that followed this, I was like really, really into again. Um, Michael Keaton is just great in this as this as this villain you know um there is another thing i want to talk about really quick i am uh running uh running out of time a little bit uh because i I gave myself 30 minutes here um and it is so i'm gonna hold my hand up because this is a spoiler and i'll put my hand down when i'm done talking about it if you're watching if you're listening i'm talking about it for like a minute and a half i guess stop listening here and see the movie then finish listening but um okay Zendaya, I don't know who this actress is before this. I knew it was like, oh, she's in this movie. Like, who's this mysterious character? And they don't say her name for a good portion of the beginning of the movie. And then they say it during the Washington, D.C. scene. They call her Melissa. And you're like, oh, okay, all right. Because I was like, oh, maybe she's Mary Jane, you know, or, or maybe she's MJ. Like, I don't care if she's MJ. I like this character. I thought she was like the oddball out, but kind of cool and notices stuff. And I, I enjoyed that, you know. And um, it... I'm going to tell you, in the end of the movie, she's like, oh, my friends call me MJ. And I'm like, okay. It's not that she's MJ that bothers me. It's that they, like, changed Mary Jane's name. I Why didn't they just call her Mary before? And it would have been fine. Like, and it... it I would have been okay with it. It didn't. It didn't need to be a surprise. I thought that was cheap. Like you, by like not saying a character's name the whole movie, and then it's kind of cheap. So th- I had an issue with that. That's really my only complaint about the movie, though. It's and it's it's minor. It's just kind of like one of those like felt, of all the things in the movie that felt kind of like a little gimmicky. But the rest was pretty solid and heartfelt. So um, there is one more. Uh, well, I, I lost it. There was one more spoiler I was going to talk about. There, there are cameos from other people that I think are pretty fantastic. Um, I'm, I don't even, I won't even, I won't even say it because I think people should be surprised when they see this cameo, but it, it was another moment where I was like, oh, um, so I was super happy about this person being in this movie. And, um, I winked as if you know what it is, but it looked like a facial spasm. Um, there are two end credit scenes. I'm going to put the hand down. I'm going to put the hand down. Um, there are two end credit scenes, two end credit scenes, um, one midway, one at the very end. Um, I, I don't, I'm not going to tell you what either of them are, but they're, they're definitely worth uh, staying for, especially the one at the very end. It's a little tongue-in-cheek. It's very funny. Um, yeah, but um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to say really quick, sorry, I've said um 30 like million times. The reason why I don't I think this is it's not necessarily that it's 
weaker than Spider-Man, the original two, first two Tobey Maguire movies. There's nothing about that. I think it's really going to come down to style and preference. I think some people are going to go to this movie and say, this is the best Spider-Man movie I've ever seen. And that's going to be great. And and I won't I won't disagree with them. It's not my favorite, just for stylistic, that's all. In the original Raimi movies, and all of the Raimi movies, there is a very distinct and unique style to filming. You know, it is clearly his influence as a horror director is very present on a lot of shot choices, um, from down to the Doc Ock scene where the uh, the the uh, uh, chainsaw comes up. You know, and some of them feel a little like cheesy. I mean, that's kind of what Spider-Man's can be cheesy sometimes. But then there's like shots where in the first one, when the Green Goblin drops the elevator full of the kids and Mary Jane, and there's that shot where one's going one way, one's going the other way in his eyes. That's one of my favorite shots. I love the falling scene too, where the thing goes in slow motion and blows the stuff off his face. I love the opening where he's drawing his suit and all the spiders crawling across the screen. You know, in Spider-Man 2, the scene where he uses his um, uh, spider sense and he's like at the table with Mary Jane. You remember this one. It was the trailer for the movie. And he goes, and it just pans back to the car. There's a lot of, you know, and then Doc Ock shows and it's like, boom, boom. And the music matches the footprints and it keeps zooming in. The alleyway in the original movie where he puts his feet hands on the on the wall for the first time, it's like, boom, boom. Bum, 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 bum. And the Danny Elfman score is going. There's a lot of moments like that. Very unique, iconic moments that really are marked by a really cool stuff like that. And um, I thought that, uh, okay, um, I thought, sorry, Craig is telling me he's he's out. So we got to go talk about this. So um, I thought that this movie lacked that a little bit. And I honestly think that a lot of the movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe lack this, with the exception of the Avengers movie. I think Joss Whedon did try for some of that really cool shots. Is that really long panning one shot in the Avengers. There's the cool shots where they're all, like, come together. There's a lot of really cool choreography in that. And then the Guardians movies, I think, are the ones that come closest to this. But I get it. They want it to all look like one giant picture. So it all kind of looks the same. That's my only complaint about this. There's no, There was no real, like, oh, that's a really cool shot. You know, there's, like, one quick moment where it's, like, from his eye perspective with his hands on the ship that I thought was really neat. But it's – there's there's no, like – my mom will even say – I'll say, Mom, what's your favorite part of all the Spider-Man movies? And she'll say at the end of the first Spider-Man movie when he's swinging through New York City. Like, you felt like you were moving with him. I remember that feeling, that rush of, like, going through the city. And it was so great. And then they did it again at the end of the second one. Or that scene where he's going in the second one and it pulls out of his eye and it's Doc Ock's eye watching him. And then he crawls up the building. Like, there's a lot of really awesome, awesome moments like that. That they really flip. You know, you've got a camera. Like, get, get, create. You know what I mean? There's clearly, like, this guy. But that's a labor of love and a stylistic choice, too. This guy, I think, I believe John Watts, this might be his, like, first big motion picture movie, which is great. Um, well done, sir. Well done. You did a great job. Um, I, I'd say excellent. And that's that's really what it comes down to, to me, is that it's it's just almost missing that beauty that was, like, the, the first two Spider-Man movies, like, the color palettes, the, you know, they're distinctly different, but, like, any moment I could kind of freeze frame that movie and just kind of point out things I love about the coloring, the sound, the score, the, you know, the, the choice of camera shots. There's a lot of that very present in this. And this one felt a little more, a little more basic, you know, um, there was never a moment where I was like, I'm swinging with Spider-Man, you know, but I, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying that that is, I feel like if they could get, if they can get there, if this next movie can be as good as this one and get there stylistically, 
I'm telling you, this will be the best Marvel movie that's ever been made. So that's my feelings on it. If you've seen the movie, I want to hear what you guys have to say. Tweet at us, Diz Pop Show. Tweet at me personally. Um, I'm sorry I didn't really go into any more, but I've talked a lot. Um, I'm really jazzed up about the movie. Got to go talk to this this fool about it now, too. Um, you know, leave comments if you're watching this on YouTube, wherever. Let's chat about it. I want to know what you liked. I want to know what you didn't like, if there are things you didn't like. Because I honestly, I don't really have a complaint uh, about it, really. Um, this is definitely one of my favorite MCU movies, so they are on fire, because Guardians was great, this was great, just a lot of, a lot of great stuff churning out, so, um, let me know, and, uh, I will, uh, I will talk to you guys in the next episode of Dispop.